Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of The Technical Area. With me, your host, Gaffer Graymo, once again. Apologies for the uh, week-long delay on this podcast. Uh, I did tweet the apologies last week due to a migraine, which then developed into man flu. And you'll probably be able to hear that there in the stuffy, nasally voice you're going to have talking to you now for the next half hour or so if you do choose to listen past this point. But yeah, we're back. Apologies for all the the hold up, the rigmarole and the, the lack of notifications and everything. I do hope you will uh, forgive me given the uh, time of year as well that man flu season is going around. So, from what I know, this is episode 11. I think the plan is to do 12. This is episode 11. So, you know, we're kind of going to be stopping here with the uh, current way things have been going, but I'll finish filling that in at the end. But episode 11, we're going to be talking about the, the crystal ball of youth development, and this is going to be a two-part, this is the second of a kind of a, a two-part kind of um, podcast, a two-part, and then you'll see it come together in one gigantic blog post on the technical area dropping. Should hopefully around the same time as the podcast this morning, it's Friday the 6th of December. We're talking about the youth development today, and um, it's a topic that you know I've put a lot of thought and emphasis in since I started playing football manager. Uh, seriously, I suppose, in FM 17 when the blog came to life, and yeah, since kind of you know, I've really kind of I've dabbled in it really and never really got going so this year I'm going to make it a big big effort and but we'll get into all that chat now in terms of Velez Sarsfield how things are going I'm not going to make excuses of why I haven't played in the last week I've already made them at the top of the podcast so but like I'll be honest I played a couple of in-game weeks I've kind of finished pre-season I think I've one or two friendies left because I had a Copa Argentina um, games before the last two friendlies so Played that game against uh, Chacarita Juniors and won 2-0, so it was great. Turn this furnace to the friendliest youth players that promoted, spoke about on the last podcast, they've really given a great account of themselves. Uh, like Even when the results haven't exactly been stellar, like a lot of draws, we've, you know, it, it, it's these young players have really kind of overshone the sense of the fact that a lot of the senior players have kind of been going through emotions. You can really tell they aren't sharp, they aren't fit. So hopefully with the sharpness and fitness comes in, you'll see performances improve. Because to be fair to us, when we played Chakarita Juniors, it was a kind of a Jekyll and Hyde, kind of black and white, you know, a tea, coffee or tea kind of a thing. It was total stark difference, total opposite in terms of the performance. So, you know, so hopefully we can build on that and keep a bit of momentum going for that. In terms of players, I'm going to give you a name that, you know, I hadn't... I, Intended on giving you before recording this podcast, and even last week to record it, I wouldn't give you this name. Ariel Munoz, uh, he's a Mazala, he's a centre midfielder, he's a young player promoted, and my goodness, as he came into the team, it made a stark difference. His first friendly, he came on as a sub, uh, we were drawing nil all, scored twice in a 3 nil win, and I think he got the assist as well in that game. So he's really turned into a star player. His attributes aren't exactly the most fantastic, but he does have plenty of potential, and that's something I really, really hope to build on. And he's one of these players that really hope benefits from this new look that led Sarsfield to this one that's so heavily um, reliant and places a lot of emphasis on youth development. 
something which the board want me to do as part of the club's five-year plan that five-year vision that we have and it's the likes of those players like Ariel Munoz that's really really you know it, it, I really really want to develop I really want them to become a star player and whether it's a case that I sell them on to Europe for a, a bit of money and watch them develop from there or I have them in the Velez short for the, for the lifetime of FM20 Either way, I want to see them become a star player, and I want to be the one that gets them there. Because I cast your mind back to the name of a website, which was very, very popular at the time, which a lot of people may have got a little bit of a break on, the, the Higher Temple Press. And I wrote a, my first piece that went up, and I got a lot of reviews, a lot of likes, got a great response to it. And it was my first time kind of writing seriously as a, a guest writer on a site. And it's a post that I've kind of kept, I haven't forgotten, it's a post I've kept coming back to a lot. And that was kind of a, the crystal ball of youth development. So in, her, in terms of your youth development, it can be a simple glance into your future. And I, I'll honestly say, hand on heart, I stand by exactly every word in that piece. Now, if you want to go check it out, go ahead, check it out. Because And it was one thing that really appealed to me because at the time I was managing Schalke, it was an FM17. And I had, a, I think there were three or four players came into the under-18s, under-19s in the, the youth intake, and they were all four or five-star potential players. And I wanted to develop them. And the thing was, I never got the chance to, but I did put the blocks in place for them to do so. But now that I've gotten more serious about football manager, I've read more, I've learned more, of, and you know, I've played more. I haven't exactly played a long-term save in the way I played that Schalke save. Schalke, I played four seasons. That's a long-term save for me, given the pace I play at and the, the lack of commitment I can all be, you know, uh, accused of at times. So I haven't really been able to develop players in all the times between FM18 and FM19. I really haven't. Even when I was managing Benfica, I managed them for one season, so you can't exactly say I was doing a great bit of youth uh, development there. But Velez have a great name and they've established themselves as a great producer of young talent in Argentina. It doesn't take much of a glance to look at the under-20s and reserve squads and see the, the bags of potential that are there with the young players. And with a current uh, average age in their squad of 23, it's certainly something I really want to develop and want to place so much emphasis on. And it really is you know, the motivation for me to go deep, deep, deep into FM20. Maybe get past the four-season mark. Again, long term for me. I know you're probably laughing there because you've already played four seasons, but you know, I know elderly a piece of an elderly snail as I've always said. I play football manager. So for FM Twenty, I really want to place this emphasis on youth development, and because of that neglect and the lack of inroads I've made in saves. And the re another reason is I want to give a great identity to this Velez side as one of the most exciting young clubs. In South America and potentially the world, should you know any plans for global domination, any wild dreams come to fruition with Copper Delivered or a success? So, in order to do that, I've put together a few different models. So, the first uh, model is uh, I'm going to talk about them in no particular order, but a player development model, I have a mentoring model, a transfer model, and then tying back into the last podcast, I do have a training model, so it could be a little bit of a repetition there of the last podcast so i do ask you to forgive me there but in terms of the player development model 
At Velez, I am very financially restricted. The club is not the richest, and certainly when we're playing in South America, you're not going to be managing clubs with European money. And then the fact that the club's reputation in Argentina wouldn't exactly be as high as the big six. It means that as a club, we're not going to be able to attract the greatest of names from Europe in the way Boca could attract Daniela De Rossi. So it's a term, in terms of our club is determined and our club is limited by the current situation we are in. And while the ambitions may be sky high for me, the club a little bit more realistic and curtailed. The current focus needs to be realistic in identifying and acquiring players capable of achieving current and future goals. So it's not hard to look at clubs who are going through that transitionary phase in Europe. You know, Manchester United, Liverpool a few years ago, Arsenal now, Tottenham, Chelsea. You nearly need to take risk on players like Sadio Mane. Well, like leaving Lucas Torreira at Arsenal, you're looking at these players hoping that they can come in and make a significant difference in how your club kind of drives forward by bringing them in from kind of what would be seen as less reputable clubs, giving them their break at the big club and hoping they can make this significant impact that will drive your club up through uh, the leagues and build back up this reputation or build back or build a new reputation for yourselves. But as well as, you know, having this you know, realistic and kind of uh, approach of, you know, being able to say, look, we're not going to be able to sign the greatest players. One of the other things as well in this transfer is that we need to be capable of producing young players because these will support and develop the squad in terms of offering the padding and, like I said, uh, injury crisis or like the taking over from players that we might not have the finances to go out and buy a player to replace when we've lost injury, suspension or uh, um, a move elsewhere. But another reason you need to develop these players is also you know you need to generate funds to sustain the club, whether through loan fees or permanent transfers. At the end of the day, you know the club does need money to operate. For me, when it comes to my squad, I like to operate with a, a three deep, a, with a three deep squad. And so what I mean by that is having one prime talent per position. So it's a player kind of in the age of twenty four to thirty. So it's a case of. The best player I can have at this in, in these positions starting in the eleven. Behind them I want an emerging talent, so a player kind of aged between eighteen and twenty-four. And it's a case of the emerging talent between eighteen and twenty-four could also be a prime talent. There are always exceptions, but I I always want a young player and a prime player vying for every position on the pitch. And then I want an experienced head, and that's kind of a player it's thirty plus per strata, so like a goalkeeper, a defender, a midfielder, and a forward. It's not necessarily I want an experienced player in every position, but it's a case of like I, I do want an older head in midfield. I do want an older head in defence, and I do want an older head up front. And this was where the mentoring uh, model does come in, because having these senior, experienced players in the squad, I would then set up mentoring groups. With a senior experienced head um, assigned as what I'm going to call it, a group leader. So we do have team leaders in, in the dynamic section, but I want a group leader. But the thing is, always these group leaders will be vetted. They need to have the right personalities. They need to be desirable personalities. Because it's a case of, I don't want someone going in who's you know fairly sporting, even though he's 32. Because it's not exactly the attitude I want my young person to develop. I'm looking for these um, determined, professional even like the obviously the, the the role model you know model citizen type players I, I want those guys 
leading the squads. And then in their groups, these experienced players, I'm going to assign players based on positional and personality needs. So it's a case of players whose personalities may be like less desirable or put in with the more desirable, even if they might be uh, playing in alternate positions. Or it's a case of I'll put like young defenders, try to put young defenders in with more experienced defender. And then that way, you know, to, to learn and develop the, the personalities of these older guys to, to, to follow their lead. Uh, to obviously develop kind of a positional effectiveness because you know there, there's a bond there, so the little kind of green bar could that hopefully will help build up the little green bar that comes in in, in these positions, and as well as the, the player traits that these older guys have, they can often be passed on through groups and a great success recently. Waxy Romero picking up a great one that he likes to wind up opposition players to boost the morale of the players on his team. Absolutely love that trait, and the love the fact he learned it through the mentoring groups. Uh, is a very, very promising start this early in FM20. But obviously, you know, you're not always going to have these experience head at the clubs, and clubs need to go out and buy them. And that's where the transfer model comes into place. So in terms of the transfer model, my talent acquisition is going to be focused on local South American talent, but in particular trying to focus on bringing players in from Argentinian clubs. So that they're less reputable clubs in the same division or the lower divisions to try and find the best young talent in Argentina that I can. And of course, not be afraid to cast in that a little bit further afield towards the likes of Colombia, um, Uruguay, Paraguay, wherever it is I can, Bolivia, you name it. I'm going to try bring in the best players I can, as young as possible, so that it's a case of I have time to develop them and shape them to become the best players they can be for me at this club. And to be honest with you, I think the European clubs are set a fantastic example of how to run and develop youth academies and youth players. It's not to disparage what's happening in South America. Not at all. But it's a case of the development, the academies, the recruitment models, everything that the European clubs have. Of course, you do want to strive and reach something of that level. And I'm going to be looking kind of to try and bring in some elements of what European clubs do so that when it comes to my Velez side I'm not just developing cash cows but I want them to be kind of it's a case I want to develop the best players I possibly can to develop the best club I possibly can and should they move on for money that's fine we have a sustained approach a sustainability model in place that means we have a next man up and we have a player waiting in the wings to step in and take over as the lead man so what I've done is I've kind of looked at some of these big producers in Europe, and often these big producers in Europe can often be close to the most pillaged. Benfica, although dominant in Portugal, on a European scale, it's not unusual to see Benfica lose some of their key talents every summer. And what Benfica do really well is they have a clear pathway set out for their players. So young players, there is a, there is a case of they can all see the road to the first team. It's set out and it's every team follows the same approach. So that every player has the possibility of chance of growing into the first team. And the fact that what Benfica like to do is they like to have the same formation uh, filtering down through the youth setups. So it's a case of the players learn to play the Benfica way from a very, very young age. So that by the time they come into the first team, there is no need to kind of re-educate them on the uh, positional, tactical or like um, systematic you know, requirements, needs, instructions, because these players have developed with this model from this young age. 
And the other thing with Benfica is they do like to keep a big, young squad. So it's a case of often you, you'd read and see that these clubs have three, could have, a youth team of under-15 level could have enough players to field three under-15 teams. And what Benfica do is like to cast in it as far and wide as they possibly can to bring in the best young talent. And as you can see that with Benfica, if you manage them in football manager, you have guys from America, guys from South America, uh, Eastern Europe, even now as we're looking at England and North America, like England and North America as well, like, you know, there's guys coming through from right across the world of Benfica. So they are casting in their far and wide to bring through the best players they possibly can. And the lecture also another big producer we often see pillaged, we often see the best players move on. Anderlecht contributed eight of Belgium's 2018 World Cup squad, which is a third of the players, which is a very, very significant number. And, you know, I think the impact Romelu Lukaku's had in the academy has has, has been very, very um, significant in terms of, if you look into the more educational and holistic development of players. But, of course, in football manager, we don't have that opportunity. But Anderlecht, they like to treat every individual different. There's a clear tactical plan throughout the age groups. So it's a case of that up until players learn to play a 3-4-3, that evolves to a 4-3-3. So it's a case of you do see this club, this side, developing a very, very flexible, fluid system that the team could be playing both shapes in a game, depending on um, what the time, the situation, and even ball possession. What they also like to do at Benfica is they also like, oh, at like, sorry, is they like to develop players who are with comfortable and capable of playing in multiple positions and what this does this challenge this challenges them and forces them to learn a uh, different position learn to move differently think differently so that means the player would find themselves drifting into this position it's a case of they already have the previous knowledge that allows them to naturally move and naturally play from whatever position they find themselves in whereas if they specifically train to play in one position and find themselves out of position at a time it could be a, a chink in the armour, it could be that nick at the system, that could be an exploit. Lewis sees the team lose possession and subsequently, you know, in danger of conceding, which is obviously the last thing every club wants. Dean was a great situation, again, a flavour of the month in Europe, but a fantastic production of players. We do see a high number of Croatian players um, make the move all across Europe, and I think, again, Dean was a were responsible for contributing most of. Croatia's uh, World Cup 2018 squad as well, that finished second at the World Cup. So it's certainly a, a hotbed of talent and a fantastic production line. And if you look at the current squad as well, the like, talents like Ante Koric, Nikola Moro, and even like Danny Olmo bringing in him and developing as well. It's uh, seen the club rise to new levels. And it's exactly what Dean Rosagreb do, whether it's domestic or international. Dean Rosagreb would like, like to identify bright talents and at, at clubs or in nations that are less reputable and bring them in and it's a case if they're looking for these players and there's a fee involved they will look to, to obviously pay as little bit as po- little as possible and i think there was talk recently of a player they brought in for three hundred thousand euros and sold for six million so it's a case of the air there are huge high profit margins and then what they do with these high profit margins is these are reinvested then into the next batch of young players in terms of spending this money on Youth facilities, youth training opportunities are like that, bringing in players again from less reputable clubs and less reputable leagues. So it gives them a chance to, um, you know, they work in a kind of a niche market, but it's a case of they're, it's something that's, again, producing on-field results. For instance, this season's Champions League, 
and it's a case of the money they're generating from selling these players is contributing to a continued sustainability and the growth of Dinamo Zagreb, something which I want my Velez team to even to do. And, you know, an interesting one I kind of thought of and said, you know what, they do deserve a bit of attention focus is Southampton. So there's obviously, you know, the fact that Southampton have been pillaged for, for years, especially by Liverpool, but they've been pillaged for years by big Premier League clubs because of the talent they are bringing in. Even going back to the days of Gareth Bale in, in like in the in this century, we've seen fantastic players develop and make moves to uh, big clubs, not just even in England, but now we're seeing them move abroad. Whether it was Gareth Bale to Real Madrid or now Aaron Ramsey, oh, Aaron Ricard, apologies, get myself mixed up a little bit there. But even the likes of Adam Lallana moving up to Liverpool and continuing to play like uh, have a significant impact. Of, you know, these guys have been with them on a journey and they've come through the ranks because what Southampton like to do is they like to educate players technically and tactically to encourage players to play in a distinct possession style based style and that is the you know the current way football is in the world it's possession based everyone wants to have the ball control the ball and have technically fantastic players and in a league like England where brute strength has kind of although it's a defining characteristic it's moved less from the forefront we're seeing the rise of these fantastic athletic tech technically and tactically mentally um phenomenal players you know players that have moved on from southampton have you know contributed at the highest level of english football in recent years and it's because of the developments and attention they got in playing this possession-based style which developed them technically and tactically at southampton so again, you know, if, if a club like Southampton placed so much emphasis here and continuing to produce and integrate new players into the squads every year, it's really a model which I hope my Velez team is able to do and hopefully be able to push a little bit further on than what Southampton have done in the Premier League and hopefully certainly avoid the struggles we're seeing this season. But in terms of the transfer models, my Velez, like that, I'm going to, in terms of the experience players bringing in, like I said, these are coming in to support youth development, support the maturity of the squad, as well as, you know, obviously trying to avoid, identify these young players that will develop into first teamers and potentially, you know, the funds they generate from moves abroad will help keep the club uh, in a healthy financial position, which we aren't exactly in at the start of FM20. Uh, I do have a couple of loan players in FM20 with Velez, and, you know, I'm not exactly someone a lover of the loan market. But obviously, given the financial constraints, I mean, you know, loan signings will have to happen. But they'll only happen when a short-term need arises. So short-term, I'm talking up to one season here. That we cannot cover with either the experienced players at the club or the emerging talents. So if there's a significant gap in the playing squad, I'll have to make something happen. Two of these loan players are strikers. And in terms of, if you look at my first team squad, I have three strikers. One is 18 and the other two are loanees. Uh, Leandro Fernandez and Maxi Romero. So it's a case of when I lose these two players, you know, I could be in a spot of bother and uh, looking at an 18-year-old to step up and make the contribution. So again, loan signings could have to happen again here for me. Loan departures then will only be sanctioned where a prospect does not have a clear immediate path into the 23-man squad and needs immediate game time opportunities. So again, now I said I do like to operate with the three deep, but it's a case of some of those emerging talents will kind of course flitter in and out between the reserve and under 20 squads, just depending on a game time need initially. But I do want them at the club ready to step in when needed, 
I think, I, like, in a little bit of a way, I admire Jurgen Klopp in that way. He managed the Liverpool squad, keeping it small, but having a good bank of young players to, to come in and pad out the squad when necessary. You know, but in terms of what do I mean by uh, a clear, immediate path um, for these loan departures, I'm talking where there's two or more players in front of them in a role or position. Of course, there's always going to be exceptions to these young players like Thiago Almada. He is just a phenomenal talent, and he, it's a, you know, I would be absolutely, you know, naive. I'd be, could be called plenty of names, and some of it looked to me with him out on loan to develop him because the contribution he can make immediately Avales is um, hugely significant. You know, comparisons to Eden Hazard would not go amiss there. Obviously, then with the transfer model, I do have to incorporate player sales, and sales are going to be sanctioned in kind of two scenarios. One, where a prospect better, very commas, than the two players already in their position role. So in this instance, the the lesser potential players moved on. So it's the case if I have a young player moving in, who's ready for the first team, and in this case of Thiago Almada, I will look to move an attacking midfielder on to make room for him because. You know, it's on a, you cannot block a high potential young player who's ready to make the jump into first team football. You cannot block that. So I have to give. I have to, in order to give them time. I will have to move someone on, and I will move someone on when necessary. In the other instance, if an amount is offered for a player that exceeds the asking price or value, regardless of current squad depth, they will move on. And I think back to Schalke, the eighty-six million pound offer I got from Manchester United for Breland Bolo could not be ignored. And although I was not ready to replace him at the time, it was a case of that the money generated from that sale, you know, it was it was just I was able to buy Kylian Mbappe to replace him. So, you know, if if a bid comes in like that, you do have to consider it does have to be considered. The final model then is a training model, and like I said, it's a case of this will you'll hear some kind of similarities tying into the tactical periodization I was talking about before. But in terms of training, I really just want to focus individually more, you know, because the manager will handle all individual training for every player at the club from first team down to under 23s. I'm going to take total control of it. For the senior squad, the individual training will focus on enhancing and developing the individual further than they already have. So look to bring out new traits, develop them in new roles, or help trying to uh, maximize strengths for them or weaken or you know, help them develop weaknesses. Strength, example, that physical attributes and some players are weak. So that's one area I'm just looking to develop on them because they developed so well holistically to this point. In terms of the reserve team squad individual training, my plan for them will to be uh, developing a player's position or role for the first team, tactical development. I'm not going to focus too much on the tactics of the younger players, but when they're ready to make the move into the reserve squad, this is when I'm going to start this tactical um education for them this tactical development to focus on what playing roles are going to be in for my first team give them a bit of a year or two in that under 20s maybe a year on reserves maybe a year on loan somewhere and then bring them into the first team squad whether they, when the need arises or when they present themselves as capable to make and ready to make that jump and then finally with the under 20 squad individual training will develop the individual as a player we have to develop individuals i'm not really care about the under 20s results what I do care about is the players they produce. So I'm going to focus on developing these young players individually to enhance their playing style. And in particular, try and help them develop player traits. 
develop them individually. Let them continue to, you know, learn to play whatever role it is they naturally play in. And let them just keep continue to develop that, but bring in player traits that kind of accentuates their abilities in these roles. Educating the individual and developing versatility and positionality in roles. You know, these are kind of key tenets which, which I will follow. And like I said with that reserve squad, by developing their tactically, versatility is also an option that could come in there. And, you know, in, in and like again, harking back to what we saw there with Anderlecht. Obviously, the club then does employ a head of youth development. So he's just going to oversee kind of training with the under-20s uh, alongside the under-20s manager. I'm just going to let him kind of focus on the players who may not be as high potential players who, you know, we ju- we will just develop in order to, to generate a, a few shekels here and there. And then for the, what training what the, the managers do, or the under-20s and reserve managers then will just focus on the collective general training. And hopefully, you know, that will be uh, reflected in the tactical periodization, which I'm using with the first team squad. Down below, you'll find the links to some of the articles I read to help write this article, write this piece and research just, you know, the pathway I have for my uh, fellas side. So that's my crystal ball. That's me gazing into it. Now, this is, I'm putting kind of the base down. I have the plan. It's it's ready to go. So it's now to me, when I get FM20 load up, to develop this and put this into practice and really bring out the squad that I have, the club that I have, and maximise everything they have in terms of like facilities, um, you know, youth recruitment, youth coaching, and really continue the great tradition that does exist here. In terms of, you know, the podcast, where are we going now? I'm going to finish it up now. You probably had enough listening to my, my nasal voice going on, and I think I do need to go and get a little bit of a lemon and ginger tea with a drop of honey just to, after all this talk. But thank you to uh, for listening to the podcast. As you know, you're listening to it, but the pod is available on all good podcasting host sites. But in terms of the future of the podcast, every 90 days, a podcast will disappear. So the oldest pod, so every a podcast has a shelf life of 90 days. And after 90 days, that podcast will no longer be available on the RSS feed in your podcast app. From now on, and this is my uh, plan, once these 90 days have elapsed and the podcast is no longer available, I will make it available on YouTube. So on the, the Technical Area YouTube channel, you'll find a link to it on the Technical Area, the WordPress blog site you'll find down below. You'll find a link there if you do want to listen back to the old episodes. So episode one will be going up on Monday uh, coming up. That's the, the 9th, isn't it? The 9th of December. So you get episode one will go up there. And each week then, every Monday, and not the, the next episode will go up on the YouTube and then hopefully every Friday the podcast will continue here. Uh, pl- please feel free to like, review, share the pod if you really enjoyed it. And if you do have any feedback on this plan, on the pod, how things are going, the DMs are open. Feel free to slide in if you'd like. The pod and I have socials. So the links to those places, if you do want to get in touch, can be found down below. Twitters, and then of course our Slack channels. So I just want to say thank you to all new listeners, all new followers, all new members. You're very, very welcome to the technical area. Sorry that I'm lacking a little bit of a fitness here at the minute. The next FM Technical Area post will drop with this pod. Check out the link below. So again, Friday the 6th of December. This is all coming out. You'll hear from me next week with new polls ahead of episode 12. 
and of course the chat will continue underneath so get involved in the comment section get your voice heard instead of just clicking that button you know enhance your opinions there until then i'm gg gaffer Raymond. <laughs>